Praise the Lord. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> um, today, uh, our topic today is the power of the tongue. And before we go into the sermon tonight, we're just going to do what we do at RG. We have our RG confession before we hear the word. And so we're going to confess those things um, tonight before hearing the word. And it goes like this. This is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I'm taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. And it, sh it will surely grow deep roots. And it will produce its fruit in me. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to stand here to speak your word. I thank you because it will be a fruitful evening. The words that will come out of my mouth, Lord, I thank you because it would go and do the work that you desire for it to do. It will surely produce fruit, good fruit. And that, God, that we will be changed by your words. Our lives will turn around and we will grow to maturity. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So when God gave me this topic, you know, it seemed as if I became hyper aware of the times when my words did not align with his words. The topic today is the power of the tongue. So everything I, every time I will speak out of turn, I'll go, oh my goodness, Donna, why did you say that? But praise be to God that he is so gracious that he covers us a lot. Out of his grace, he covers us. The things that we have said, the ones that we don't even remember, the ones we do remember, he has covered us out of his grace. But it's now time for maturity. We need to grow. This is not to say put pressure on yourself, you know, to get it right. No, that's not the way that it works. Because the enemy will surely take advantage of that. But God desires that we solely depend on the Holy Spirit, who so powerfully works in us, to do what God wants us to do. So my goal today, by God's grace, is to help us understand the importance of the words we speak and its impact in shaping our lives and the environment that we live in. We'll read Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, and it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I'll repeat again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. NLT says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Let's go back to New King James Version. It says death and life, meaning two things. The death and life comes out of this thing, the tongue. Death and life comes out of the same place. And God wants us to know this thing, that with our tongue, 
We can create life or we can produce death. So when I was young, um, anyone who was overly talkative, we would say the person is always talking, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. <laughs> that was back in Nigeria. We would say they are always talking, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha, meaning that they are overly talkative. That, that type of person will jump into any conversation, whether they are a part of it or not. And they will often say the things that, are, that is not to be said because they couldn't control this thing, the tongue. Today, I'm not just talking about those people who join any and all conversations. I'm also addressing those who talk out of anger. We know ourselves, you know, allowing words that we can't take back to come out of our mouth when we are angry. I'm also addressing today those who constantly nag and complain. Always complaining, finding the things that are negative, saying all the things they can't see anything good in their environment. I'm also addressing those who like to crack jokes. Not just any joke. They, just, they have to just crack this joke because it's so funny, but it's not building anybody up. It's not encouraging anyone. It's actually pulling people down. At some points in our lives, we were guilty of this, right? But we should learn that most times it is wise to just shut up and be quiet. It's wisdom to just be quiet. You don't have to say everything and anything. Pick your words wisely. I repeat it again. Many times, it is just wisdom to just be quiet. Because you will certainly reap the fruits of what you have said. The words you speak out of your mouth are actually building blocks for the house you want to live in. Your tongue determines whether you have victory or not, whether your household is in shambles or is prospering. It also determines the course of your life because the scripture told us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. I once heard a sermon um, where the, the speaker said, words shape worlds. The words that come out of our mouths shape the world that we live in. And this is not just a general, you know, America, the words that we say shapes America. Yes, it does, but it also applies to your personal world. It determines whether you have health or you don't. The words that you say are so powerful and God wants us to know that tonight. Words are powerful and God knows it, the enemy knows it. And sometimes it just seems that it's just us that don't know it. Because we, sometimes we talk carelessly. We don't even give it a thought. Both God and the enemy are vying for us to be in their camp. Just like Galatians says, you know, the spirit and the flesh are in constant battle with each other. 
wanting you to do the exact opposite, wanting to do the exact opposite of each other. It's the same here. A believer's spirit wants to speak the words of God, but the flesh wants it to speak words that look like the world. But we believers, God has given us self-control. It's part of the spirit that you have. You, have self, you can control this tongue. You have self-control. You have the spirit of Christ. We can destroy our lives through our words, or we can bring life and prosperity to ourselves through our words. The kingdom of God is actually saturated by words, and those words carry power. We remember in the beginning, God created the, the heavens and the earth, and he said, let there be light. God is very intentional with the words that he speaks. He just doesn't talk carelessly. He understands the impact of the words that he speaks. The words that, comes, the words that come out of God's mouth, they all have a purpose, either for creating or shutting down things that are contrary to his kingdom. We were created by words. And we can also use words to glorify God or glorify the enemy. That's why both of them are vying for our attention. God wants us to speak his words and the enemy is also wanting us to speak his words. And the enemy's words align with the world. What is happening around you, all the negativity, he wants you to constantly say it because he knows that when you say it, it carries power. It actually happens. Because he can't touch you unless you allow him to. And he can only touch you through your words, the things that you say. And when we look at God, God's words always have a good report. But the enemy's words are always that of destruction, talking about failure, negativity, like everything that is not going well. Because you're using your words to shape your world. It shapes the, the environment that you live in, what you encounter, what you experience. So today, the Lord wants to deliver us from the negative words that come out of our mouths. God wants to make sure that you and I are aware of the power of the words that we speak. So the first thing is, watch your mouth. Again, like I said, this is not to put pressure on anyone or say like, oh, you have to do this. No, it's not how it works. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, which enables you to control your tongue. Even when, um, if, when we read James, I believe it's James chapter 3, verse 1 to, uh, 1 to 12, somewhere around there, it says that no one can tame the tongue meaning that in your own power, you can't tame the tongue, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you actually can. So the first thing is watch your mouth. Let's read Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. 
It says, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. He who guards his mouth, meaning that you are aware of what comes out of your mouth. You're not unconscious about what comes out of your mouth. You're putting a guard. It's like a gate. You're controlling that gate. You determine what goes out and what comes in. So that's what God wants us to do. He says, he who guards his mouth actually preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips, no control. You're looking for destruction. We'll read a story about the Israelites and how God sent them on a mission and God wanted them to do something and he gave them a promise, but they came back with a different testimony than what God said to them in the beginning. This is Numbers chapter 13, verse 2, and it says, this is what God said to them, send men to spy out the land. That was an instruction. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am given to the children of Israel. That's a promise. He gave them an instruction and he told them the promise. Send men, I will give this land to the children of Israel. He said, from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. And then we go down to Numbers 13, 17 to 33. It says, then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage. And I actually looked up, what does it mean to say be of good courage? And when I looked it up on the internet, this is what um, they said, trusting in the Lord as our true source of strength. And then another definition said bold and confident. And that first one is in context of scripture, trusting in the Lord as our true source of strength bold and confident. After Moses gave them this instruction, he said, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the times was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahimen, Sheshai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Anaks were um, giants. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grape. Look, look what happened. They cut down a branch with one cluster of grape. They carried it between two of them on a pole. I don't know if anybody knows what a cluster of grape is. It's usually <laughs> the ones that we have now. You can hold it in your hand. But back then it says... They needed two people to carry a cluster of grape. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. 
Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word. I highlighted this. They brought back back word, meaning their testimony. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They started off with a good report. Let's pause there for a second. You see, we do this often where we go to God in prayer and we say the word, you know, we we say, God, we know that you are our provider, God. Yes, Lord, we thank you because you supply for all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And after we finish praying, we go out, we see the bills, and someone will ask you, how are you doing? Oh, my goodness, these bills are about to kill me. You see that? We start off with a good report, but we end up with a negative report, which counteracts the good report we started off with. It says, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. That was their report. Nevertheless, that was their bad report now. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the south, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. You start off with a good report, then you talk unbelief. They are strong. These are the people, this this is this, this is that. It's like they forgot what God told them in the beginning. This is the land that I promised you. Then there was one man, actually two men, who were full of faith. One is Caleb, and the other one was Joshua. This is what Caleb did. Then Caleb quieted the people. He actually had to quiet them down because they were talking something that God didn't tell them to say. He quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. See the words he spoke? Let us go up at once. He doesn't care about who is living there, whether they are, you know, giants, whether they were greater than them physically. He said, let us go up at once, for we are well able to possess the land. Now, but the man who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Tell me why they came back. If the land truly devoured its inhabitants, how are they back to say what they are saying? And all the people who, whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sights. And so we were in their sights. You see that? They added their own extra 
you know, wordings. The, the land devours its inhabitants. We were like grasshoppers in their sight and in our sight as well. See, the situation around you can be very devastating. It can look like it's not good at all because the Israelites went in, they saw the giants. They were bigger than them. Physically, that's a fact. But they had someone who was greater than those giants and they did not recognize him. And they said only what they saw. Remember how they said we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. That was what they were seeing. In their sight, they were like grasshoppers. They didn't recognize who was with them. So they spoke those things that they saw. Now, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 to 12, it says, So all the congregations lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. Note that, complained. This is what they said. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Wow. That was their testimony. If only we had died. What is the testimony that you have about what's going on around you? Remember, the point is, watch your mouth. Watch what comes out of your mouth. They will prefer to have died in the wilderness, to have died in Egypt, than to believe the promise of God, which he said, I'm giving this land to you. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their face before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. See, in the midst of people who are giving their negative report, what do you say? You, child of God, what do you say? Because in this life that we live, in our daily lives, people are constantly saying negative reports. They are constantly giving negative reports. Do we shy away and say, oh, because I want to fit in, let me just not say something that is opposite? Because I don't want people to hate me 
Let me just follow them. Joshua and Caleb stood up against the other men who went out to spy the land, and they said, this is an exceedingly good land. They believed the Lord's promise, and they spoke in line with what he has said. This is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And then they said something else. They said, those people that, we are, that you guys are talking about with fear, their protection has actually departed from them. They have no protection. Group A here, the other men who went out to spy the land said, in our own sights, we were like grasshoppers. Group B here, Caleb and Joshua said, they said, do not fear them because their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Meaning that they saw something different from the other group. They weren't looking through their own sights. They were seeing from God's sight. So let's continue with the scripture. And all the congregation set to stone them with stones because they gave a good, there will be persecution for what you say. If you're saying the words of God, if you're in line with scripture, there will be persecution for what you say because not everybody will agree. It will even get to sometimes fight. Quarrel, people stop talking to you because of what you say. This is what the Israelites did. They said, and the congregation said, to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? You see that? They gave a bad report, and God counted it as rejecting him, not believing what he said. And how long would they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. So... Between this and the next scripture I'm going to read, Moses, you know, begged the Lord, uh, pled with the Lord, Lord, please forgive them, pardon them. You know, we don't want the Egyptians to now come and say that you're no longer God and everything. And then this is what God said in um, Numbers chapter 14, 20 to 24. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly As I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice. There's a song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, right? And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You see, when, when we are faced with something, I always talk about a situation because we are always going through something in our lives. It's, it's life, you know, to have challenges come up sometimes. And in those challenges, the enemy kind of wants to isolate. It seems like it's a new thing. 
is a new challenge. Oh my goodness, this is greater than the last one. But if you think back, you recognize how God has delivered you from the last one, the one previous to that, the one before that. But if you're only concentrated on this challenge, you can't see the deliverance of the Lord. That's why God wants us to count our blessings. What has God done for you? Thank God for it. Speak it. God delivered, Lord, I thank you because you delivered me from sin. Thank you because you provided for me this time. I remember 10 years ago or two years ago, you start speaking it so that you will remember. And it actually builds your faith as you thank God for those things. So that your, your, your eye is not so focused on the challenge before you. Because when you focus on it, you make it bigger. And then you only speak what the challenge tells you to say. And then the Lord said, you know, and they have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers. Nor shall any of them who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb. Because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Note that. His descendants will inherit the fruit of his faith and words. Your believing words can set your children up for life. Many of the blessings some of us are reaping now is because our parents believed. And our forefathers believed. And what did they believe? God's testimony. They held onto it and they spoke it. They said it. We ought to be like that. Constantly speaking God's testimony. And remember the, the other scripture we read. It says, set a guard on your mouth. Put a gate on your mouth. Determine what comes out of it. So let's continue with Numbers. Numbers 14, 26 to 28 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with the evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord. Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. You see that? We have to be careful about the words that we say. Words have consequences. Words can produce life. It can produce death. Just as you have spoken in my hearing, your words are not just, you know, empty words. They contain power. Whether you're speaking in faith or you're speaking in unbelief, they both contain power. James chapter 1 verse 19 to 20 says, says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God. The word 
God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. God will help us. We're all growing. Again, maturity is important. And a pastor, I, I believe last Thursday, spoke on growing up spiritually, maturing as a Christian. We can't stay in the same place for, for years and years and years and years and we never grow. It's not benefiting you. It's not benefiting your family. It's not benefiting anyone. We ought to grow. Maturity. Be slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Because in anger, we can say so many different things that words, let me just talk a little bit. Words, people can hold words in their hearts for years. Words spoken out of anger to someone else. That person can hold it for years and it can hinder them. God calls us to build people up. Build people up with the things that we say. So you can't just drop your words anyhow, carelessly. Build people up with what you say. Even when you're angry, this is an opportunity for you to depend on the Holy Spirit. Lord, what do you want me to say now? Lord, I'm really angry, but what do you want me to say now? Should I be quiet? I'm seeking your wisdom in this moment. It says, but don't just listen to God's words. You must do what it says. Again, not in your own strength, but the, at the Holy Spirit who so powerfully works in you. And in the Bible it says two cannot work together unless they agree. So you have to agree with the Spirit because the Spirit will always be prompting you inside. Okay, this is time to be quiet. And you have to just listen. Follow the instructions God is giving you in your heart. So we're continuing on. Um, but don't just listen to God's words. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves, and your religion is worthless. As you look into God's word, it begins to change you. That's why... I. When it says renew your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're looking into a mirror. You're seeing your true self through the word because what the word is showing you often is different from what you're seeing in reality. That's why God, God always has a good report. His word always has a good report. So you speak that which God is showing you in his word. It's a reflection of your true self. So as you're looking in the mirror... You're being transformed. 
You're being changed. And then God prompts you to say things that align with your true self. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 to 35, it says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit, brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why in the previous scripture that I read, it says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. And I think it's the one previously says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. So when it says out of the abundance of your heart is what you have been putting in there. What have you been putting into your heart? Is it God's word? If you're putting God's word in, then it will come out. When someone pokes you, what will come out is God's word, whatever you have in your heart. But when you're putting in the opposite of God's word, what will come out will be the opposite. Things that are contrary to scripture. I, I was reading a devotional um, called Guide Your Mind, Guard Your Your." Guide your, <laughs> guide your mind, guard your mouth, grace your tongue. Guide your mind, guard your mouth, grace your tongue. And I pulled out, um, you know, a little passage from there. It says, don't allow your tongue to have a free-for-all lifestyle, but give it strict boundaries that are set by your mind, which now thinks the thoughts of Christ, and by your heart, which is extremely well-guarded by the word of God. Your mind gives your mouth father for which to speak, and your heart is the motor that kickstarts your mouth. Your mind gives your mouth father. Father is like, um, you know, when you're, you're trying to set up a, a fire, is the things like the wood, the, everything that you put in to start the fire, that's the father. It, your mind gives your mouth father from which to speak, and your heart is the motor that kickstarts your mouth. So that the match that you light to throw into the fire is your heart. So whatever comes out of your mouth, it kickstarts everything. And another thing I want to address is what we say about the country we live in, the nation, the city, the state, and its leaders. You know, God told us to pray for our leaders, pray for where we are, right? And this is what Proverbs 11, um, 11 says. It says, upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper, but the talk of the wicked tears it apart. Message says, when right living people bless the city, it flourishes. Evil talk, I call it unbelief, turns it into a ghost town. In no time. You see that? Evil talk 
again, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha, <laughs> always talking, constantly. Things that are negative, you always criticize the, you know, the president, you always criticize the city you're living in, you have no good thing to say about the country you're living in. It turns, in, it turns it into a ghost town. And then the complaining that you're doing is out of what you have spoken. You're reaping the fruit. And then Proverbs 11 verse 10, again to 11, says, When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there's jubilation. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Different versions. See what it's saying? 12 to 13 of that same Proverbs 11 says, It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. Remember what I said? Many times, actually most times, it's wise just to shut up and be quiet. Don't just say anything. We'll continue with Proverbs 11, uh, 12 to 13. It says that gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Those who gossip, always talking about somebody. And it, it might, you know, someone corrected me um, recently and said, you know, you might be doing it out of, oh, let me just, this is what's going on, no, let me just tell you. And you're talking about somebody else, although it's in relation to you, but you're telling someone else. That's also gossip. Because that person will not go and carry it and tell somebody else. You can't control what the person is going to do. So be careful about what you say. Me too, I'm learning. And God, again, wants us to grow in maturity. So we ought to watch our mouth. Proverbs 11.9 says, With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. With their words. Talking about people behind their backs. You know, you can examine yourself. Examine your heart. You know where you have done it. We need to turn away from those things that we often do. It's time for maturity. Don't go, it's not every talk that you should join. And when people call you to join it, you say, no, I'm not joining. You stand up, be like Caleb and Joshua. You stand up for what God said. Proverbs 21, eight, uh, 25, 18 says, lying about and slandering people are as bad as hitting them with a club or wounding them with an arrow or stabbing them with a sword. Lying about people. Saying things that you shouldn't even, you know that you don't want anybody to say about you. And you go and talk about it. Proverbs 13 verse 2. Actually, I recommend that everybody read Proverbs because it has life lessons that we ought to learn. It will help us in this life. Is wisdom words. Proverbs 13 verse 2 says, A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. A man shall eat well 
by the fruit of his mouth. Depending on what you say, you can be blessed. You shall eat well if your words are in, in alignment with God's word. You will reap the, the promise. So the Israelites that we talked about earlier, they didn't see, those ones that gave the negative report, they didn't see the promise of God. God said, I will surely give this land to the Israelites. But those who gave the bad report, they didn't see it. They didn't even come close to that promise. They were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years until all of them died. But those who gave the report, the good report, saw the land, lived in the land, benefited from what they said. Be wise in your speech. Proverbs 31, 26, it says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She opens her mouth with wisdom. You have an understanding before you say something. You recognize what you're saying. You're conscious of what you're saying. And you know the impact. You have assessed the impact of what you're going to say. Proverbs 18.20 says, Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. Wise words. We have, see, God called Christ the wisdom and the power of God. And that same wisdom and power of God dwells in us. So we have wisdom of God and the power of God dwelling in us. So the words that we speak can come out of the wisdom that is living in us. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. And then this is the one that I have to dwell on a little bit. It says in Proverbs 15 verse 1 to 2, it says a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pour forth foolishness. This is, this is for our families, spouses, couples. You see, I'm not married yet, but I will get married soon. <laughs> and this is what, what God said. A soft answer turns away wrath. Do you know in your family you can live in peace with your spouse? We get so comfortable with the people around us that we feel like we can just say anything. Sometimes a, a, a person might look down on their spouse and talk negatively about them. That shouldn't be so. What example are you setting for your kids? Talking down on the gift that God has given you belittling them, saying words that are hurtful. You know that it will hurt them, so you choose them carefully and you say, I have to say this thing. I know it will get them. Examine your heart. Even the words that parents, you say to your kids, they should be words that build up, that encourages them to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Because the examples that you're showing now is what they will carry on to their family in the future. And 
We don't want negative things to keep going on and on, generation after generation. No. You want the life of God to be portrayed, the light of God to be shown to the entire world in your family, in your children's family, in their children's family. That's the legacy of God. Our reading in TPT, it says, respond gently when you are confronted and you will diffuse the rage of another. Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest men? Even when someone says something that is hurtful to you, choose to be the bigger person and speak words that will help them grow. Speak words that will build them up. Even though in the wisdom of men, it looks like you're the one who's, who's really not winning. But in God's eyes, you're the one who's winning. Because you're speaking his words. You're choosing to believe his testimony. See, in, in the instructions that God gave us, right? he didn't say that you should do your own part only when the other person does their part. No. You should do your own part regardless of whether the other person does their part because it is the Lord your God, your servant. You're doing it for him, not for the other person. Okay. I'll continue on um, with Proverbs. It says... In Proverbs 15:2, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Have you listened to someone who you're just like, man, I just want to be like that person? Whatever they talk, man, my heart is just so happy. Because, again, Proverbs says, kind words are like honey. It's so soothing. It says sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Someone who's constantly talking kindly, gently, good things, always saying a good testimony. That's the person you want to be around. You don't want to be around someone who's always complaining, nagging. Every day is nag, 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 complain, complain, complain. Negative, negative. You're just, you, you get tired. We seek to be around people who say, who say good things, good report, give a good report. And that's your testimony. That's the testimony that you're sharing with the world. The last thing is be teachable. See, the first thing is watch your mouth. The second is be wise in your speech. And the third is be teachable. James chapter 1, verse 21, we read the scripture before, but I'm going to read it again. It says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart, for it has the power to save your souls. Meaning that you need to be taught by the word. Humbly accept it. Allow it to teach you what you ought to do. Because if you despise the word, your soul will not be saved. 
That's what it's essentially saying. For the word has power to save your soul. Proverbs 13, verse 13, it says, He who despises the word will be destroyed. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Take God's word seriously. When the Holy Spirit is prompting you inside, don't do that, do this, giving you instructions, listen to it carefully. Again, we're all growing, maturity. Listen to it carefully so that you'll be able to walk in life, able to walk in prosperity. You avoid whatever the enemy is setting up. You walk in victory. Proverbs 13 verse 18 says, Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. Be teachable. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Take correction. Don't, know it. Don't be the one who knows it all. Too proud to listen. Because in you listening is to your benefit and you're actually saving your life. The last scripture I'm going to read is Proverbs 13, verse 20, and it says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. He who walks with wise men will be wise. Bad company corrupts good manners. So the people you hang around with, if they're always talking negatively, you will also talk negatively. But if you hang around people who are constantly speaking the word of God, you yourself will be built up and you will also follow suit and speak the words of God. And you'll speak life. That's what God desires out of us. For there's power in your tongue. Use your tongue wisely. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you so much for um, the words that we have heard tonight, God. I thank you because you're teaching us and Again, you're concerned for our maturity. You want us to grow spiritually. So, Lord, I thank you because these words will spur change in our lives. There will be words that build us up, helps build the spiritual house that you desire for us to be. And I thank you because, God, even in our personal moments, when we go back to our homes, God, that you will continue to teach us from where we left off today. Thank you because your name will be glorified and Jesus will be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.